I have been given the uh, privilege now of introducing our speaker, and uh, it, it really is a, an honor for me and a privilege and just a joy in my life to be able to introduce um, our speaker, Dr. Scott, this morning. It's just a blessing to have you here with us, and I'm grateful. Um, he has no idea, but he has caused me many problems, or at least a few in my life that he has no idea about whenever... Uh, we first moved to Louisville, and uh, I knew that this man was going to be teaching at the school I was going to be at. I uh, made it one of my goals to find out where he was going to be serving so I could get in that church and make my paths cross with this guy. I couldn't make that work, but uh, uh, at one point, I visited a church where I knew where he was at. I ran in. We, we went through the service. I think the service was okay. I really wasn't paying attention. I just wanted to know how to get involved so I could um, get in one of his classes, his Sunday school class, just across paths. And we left the church that day, and I told my wife, they're having a membership class coming up. We need to, we need to sign up and join. And uh, she's much wiser than I when it comes to making decisions, especially at that point. And she said, are, are you really sure that we just want to sign up? This was our first visit. And uh, he caused one of our first marital problems there. We had a, a, a long discussion and an argument over whether we're going to sign up and join this church or not. And then some time ago, he was doing a, a conference in Cincinnati that some of my friends and I attended. And um, we were living in Louisville at the time. Stuart is in Louisville. And as he was going to be coming back home, he was driving by himself and he needed someone to keep him company. And he wanted to know if I would ride with him back. So I'm not passing up this opportunity to ride back with him. So I told the guys I was with, um, I'm riding home with Dr. Scott. I'm not riding home with you guys. And they have still harassed me to this day about ditching them to ride home with, with him. So you may have to solve some conflicts that we have before you leave this weekend. But uh, those are minor, honestly, compared to all the ways this man has uh, helped me personally in just his teaching and his writing um, and I know the influence he's had on so many people uh, that he gets to interact with in his teaching ministry. Um, so many things he has said that has impacted me. I think of just a few. Um, he was the first person who kind of really emphasized to me there is no call to preaching in the ministry, but there is a call to pastoring and loving people. And, uh, you know, you have your mind, this idea in your mind that you're going to go preach. You want to go and you want to, just, that's what the glorious thing is to do, to stand up here and talk in front of people. And he said that there is no call to do that in the Bible, but there is a call to pastor and to shepherd your people. So, you know, keep, your, keep balanced in that area. He was the one who really brought so many things together in my mind, how to tell the difference between um, what we would say the imperatives or the commands of what to do in Scripture and how that combines with the indicatives of Scripture or, or who we are in Christ. So what you put off and put on and what motivates you to do that, how that all comes together. I, I didn't even have a category to think for that until uh, I sat under his teaching and he has helped me in that area. So, so many ways um, that he has helped. In this particular session, this topic that we've asked him to speak on, on decision making, um, I have his audio on this on my computer. I've, um, I've referenced it many times over the last few years and when I've had to maybe make some more weightier decisions in my mind, I'll go back and revisit and think, now, how exactly should I think through this? So he's helped me in many ways. I, I, 
I, I trust that you guys will be greatly edified and strengthened in your faith and learn how that we can be like Paul when he said that we need to learn how to please the Lord. Um, and you will learn how to please the Lord in the area of making decisions. And I'm, I'm sure you will come to a realization that one of the greatest things that I love about um, Stuart, and you will appreciate as well, is his desire to be faithful to the text and his desire to be faithful to Christ. So, Stuart, I look forward to your teaching. Um, so, brother, come forward, come up and uh, teach us. We look forward to it. Thank you, Taj. <clears throat> it is a, a delight to be here. Uh, a joy to... Uh, I've met Sean a few different times and just uh, a like-mindedness and uh, what a privilege to be here and to see all of you on an early Saturday morning at this temperature, at least outside. But uh, welcome. Thank you for uh, coming and... Uh, I want to be the first to say, if there's anything good that comes out of me, it is the Lord's grace. He gets all the glory for that. And uh, I'm, I look at today as a chance to pass on to you what's been passed on to me. So we are, we're just instruments in, the, in God's hands uh, to encourage each other, to build one another up. And I want to make that clear of some of the purposes on um, at least what I'm attempting to do uh, with the Lord's help today. And that is, one, I do want to encourage you. Uh, you're in Christ. You've trusted in Christ as your Savior and Lord. I just want to encourage you in your faith uh, to grow this day uh, according to his word, by his spirit, and for his glory. I want to stir you up to remembrance. Sometimes we, some things we should have in the front of our minds sometimes work their way to the back <clears throat> and uh, we talk often about being biblical and we love God's word but when it comes to actual practicing it sometimes the, the scriptures don't come right in the front and direct our steps and so I want to encourage you uh, today that we all would uh, be stirred up to remembrance of things that we've been taught in the scriptures. Thirdly, uh, if there's confusion on decision-making, my prayer is that there be more clarity at the end of these sessions than more confusion. Uh, that, that would be a desire of mine. And then, lastly... I'd like to see and encourage you as you think through these things and ponder them and practice them that you then teach other people. As we're discipling one another and we're seeking to encourage others to grow in their faith that it would not just stop with you but you would take these principles, even the notes, and encourage other people to grow in their faith in a similar way. Well, this morning we want to... Uh, let me see if I get this off... There we go. I'm going to talk first of all here about uh, behind the scenes or the importance of decision making. How many decisions do you make in a given day? Have you ever thought about that? 
How many decisions do you think you make in a given day? So I haven't really been counting them up. You probably couldn't count them up. There are thousands that we make on every single day. You had to make decisions this morning. Let me see, it's pretty cold out there. Do I really want to go to this conference or not? Or the alarm went off and you had to make the decision to hit the snooze or how many times to hit it or uh, which side of the bed to roll out of or there are so many decisions that we make some are obviously more weightier than other decisions that we make but we make thousands every day and God expects us to walk by faith faith according to his word his commands and his principles being led by his spirit who gave us his word and that's what I'm wondering does that ever interact the spirit and his word interact with all of those thousands of decisions that we make every day. I was out uh, visiting our daughter who's out in California and we were there with the family and we said let's, uh, let's grab something to eat quickly because we had some other things, activities that we had planned for the Christmas uh, holidays and she said well let's just go get a hamburger sounds good to us so we went to this one particular restaurant and they give you a menu and you've got to fill this out for your hamburger I've never seen so many decisions in my life for a hamburger there are four kinds of meat do you want on this then three types of bun then there are ten different choices for the cheese there are 18 choices for toppings and then if you don't like the general toppings of 18 of them there are 10 additional (coughs) premium toppings so there are 28 toppings potentially you could have on your hamburger then there are 18 different kinds of sauces three types of muffin if you want a muffin instead I, I just want a hamburger <laughs> and it, you just get paralyzed by seeing something like this I, I don't know well I started collecting over the years the way so many professing believers make decisions because when God saved me at age 18 I had a lot of decisions to make. I mean, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? Do I get married, not get married? Uh, Serve the Lord, not serve the Lord? I mean, in full-time ministry or not full-time ministry? Do I go into forestry, which was my preference at the time, away from people, up in a tower, look for smoke? (laughs) All kinds of decisions to make. I didn't know how to make decisions. I mean, how do I know what God wants for my life? And so, again, I began listening to speakers. I began looking in books as I was reading them, how people make decisions. I'd like to read a few to you to see how interesting professing believers are in their decision-making practices. This particular lady, 
uh, was trying to decide whether to visit some relatives in the state of California, if that was God's will or not. So one morning she went to her room and prayed for God's direction. While she was on her knees, she glanced up at the digital clock and it read 747. And she knew that was a type of aircraft. So she believed that God had just spoken to her that, yes, fly out to California. Her pastor was not convinced at all. He said, I would have been impressed if the clock had read 767. Now you'll get that later today, 767, on your digital clock. This is a book on dieting, losing weight. And these ladies who wrote this, Christian women, it sold over a million copies. And they say, this is the prayer you ought to pray to find out what God wants for your life as far as weighing, how much to weigh, how many calories to lose. Father, in the name of Jesus, I need specific guidance and direction in my life right now regarding my eating habits. You can see I need your help in losing the extra pounds on my body. Show me your will. Please speak to me and show me how much weight you want me to lose. Now, what if she looked up at the digital clock and it read 747? (laughs) Show me how much you want me to weigh and how many calories I need to eat each day. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Uh, How is God supposed to reveal that? Calories, how much weight? Is Is that really what the Lord wants for us as far as his will every day, that specificity? The church where I uh, served on staff out with Dr. MacArthur in California, one of the assistant pastors was counseling this couple. Uh, They were having marriage problems and and had always had marriage problems from the very get-go of uh, as soon as they married. And so this associate pastor asked them, what ever convinced you to marry in the first place? This is what the husband said. The husband recounted how he had gone to his pastor seeking to know the will of God for himself and his girlfriend, who was now his wife. Now that pastor, it was at a different church, reminded the young man of how Joshua and the Jews had marched around Jericho several times and how the walls collapsed. Then the pastor suggested that the boyfriend literally walk around his girlfriend several times in the office. If the walls of her heart collapsed, then he could be sure God wanted him to take her for his wife. There's nothing in here about a horn, blowing a horn. So he obeyed. He circled the girl several times and popped the question, have the walls of your heart tumbled? She responded by saying she felt strange inside. That would have been the clue to run out of the office. And so they both concluded that her heart had fallen in love and they made plans to marry. Now that's using the Bible too in the decision-making practice. Uh, this individual has uh, wrote a book on impressions. You know, People talk about God impressing on you what he wants. 
And then this author says, you can detect the devil by one or two things. The devil always talks loud. Jesus always talks low and tender. When a spirit makes an impression on my mind, that impression can be made in a very loud, boisterous way, or that conviction can come quietly, gently, and sweetly. So now your impressions you're supposed to try to think through, is that a loud one? Don't do it. Or is it a soft impression? That must be God. And, there, and you know where he gets this from, or, or where he misuses scripture to get this from, is with Elijah, a still small voice. But I guarantee you when Jesus taught the thousands around the Sea of Galilee with no microphone, he wasn't whispering. Do you know what promise boxes are? Does that ring a bell at all? They look like little loaves of bread and you put them on your kitchen table and they're verses that are often cut out of context and put in there and you pull one out for the day and you read it and you're supposed to claim it for the day. Are you familiar with that at all? It's sort of like an evangelical fortune cookie approach. You know, you just pull it up, read it for the day, claim it. Well, one well-known Christian leader faced the impending death of his wife, who was in a hospital intensive care unit. One morning, he was eating breakfast before going to the hospital. He noticed the promise box on the kitchen table. He reached and pulled out a card, and it said... From John 11:25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall never die. Well, struck by the promise of the verse, he put it back in and reached in and pulled out a second card. It said, quote, from uh, Psalm 118:17, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The man was convinced that God had spoken to him through those two cards about the condition of his wife. With the elation of his newfound inspiration, he left for the hospital filled with joy, convinced that God was going to raise up his wife and bring back her health again. He testified to his wife's nurses that God was going to perform a miracle. The next morning, his wife died. Not only was this good man crushed, but the name of God was blasphemed in that hospital. The use of these Verses out of context. Uh, now they make promise calendars, and someone gave me one, and I started flipping through thinking, what verses are they saying are promises? So I start flipping through the calendar, and I came upon one, and I, I had to cut it out, put it on here. You, you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. This is the promise of the day from Luke 4 7. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. I looked at that. Luke 4 is where Christ is being tempted by the devil. Verse 7 happens to be the devil speaking. The devil says to Jesus, if you worship me, it will all be yours. I don't think that's the promise we ought to be claiming for every day, do you? And I wondered how many believers who have these calendars were claiming that promise for the day. George Whitfield, a name that many of you uh, know, 
he took verses and he found early on in his ministry that he was misusing uh, the verses and needed to study scripture more carefully. Prior to the birth of his only son, Whitfield announced that the boy would be a great preacher and that he would be great in the sight of the Lord. Four months after his birth, though, the child died. And Whitfield recognized his mistake and wrote, I misapplied several texts of Scripture. Upon these grounds, I made no scruple of declaring that I should have a son, and his name was to be John. So he actually went into the the Scripture there, and he pulled that one out that was really for John the Baptist, and he claimed it for his own son, and his son died. And and Scripture is not to be used a private interpretation and just take scripture out and name it and claim it for yourself but studied carefully and I won't read all of these I've got a whole list of them but another one that this is the kind of thing I heard early as a believer when missionaries speakers would get up and talk they would talk as if God was had a private pipeline with them and, and I would hear things uh, where the speaker would say, you know, this morning uh, the Lord talked to me and he said, uh, Stuart, you know, uh, I want you to drive to this town and then I want you to go here and go there and then I want you to do this. That's the kind of thing I was beginning to hear people say. And I thought, well, well, the Lord doesn't talk to me that way. And then you have people in churches where I don't hear anything but birds when I go outside. I don't hear these voices. And other people say, oh, yeah, I hear. And that kind of thing goes on. And you have the haves and the have-nots. This missionary, a very conservative missionary, he says, uh, God's ways are not always ours. He said, when I married my wife, I thought I would serve the Lord by being the best scientist I could be in the States. But God said, quote, no, I want you to serve me overseas, unquote. As we prepared for the mission field, I thought we would serve in Asia. But God said, quote, no, I want you to serve me in Africa, unquote. And it just keeps going. And I thought this, but God said, and then God said, and he said, finally, I thought I would uh, have a training center, train up nationals to replace me. But God said, quote, no, I have something different planned for your wife, your children, and you. Yet I'm not going to tell you until you first take steps to leave your beloved country, unquote. And so God's people, all professing Christians there, when it comes to what does God want from me on a given day and the weightier decisions, all kinds of practices. And if the Bible is used, it's usually misused. So that's what we're going to be looking at today, is how do we think about the will of God And how do we use Scripture in the decision-making practices that we do every day? So I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 1. And I want to emphasize today the importance of the Word of God and prayer. And we'll be going into session two 
around 10.15 where we look at the scriptures and how do we study the scriptures rightly so we, we divide it correctly when we're using it. But this is a prayer of the Apostle Paul for a young church, a church that he had never visited, a church in Colossae. This young church, when he heard the report of how things were going, he was encouraged. But there was a concern, and that is some false teaching was starting to infiltrate this young church. Early forms, they believe, early form of what was called Gnosticism. It wasn't full-blown yet, but just early forms of it were working their way in, which was a combination of Judaistic legalism and Greek philosophy. You combine those two together and you would get Gnosticism, which was the next century, full-blown, a problem. So here you have the prayer of the Apostle Paul. And I would encourage us, as we look at this, that we incorporate that prayer into our own life for our own walk with the Lord and for our churches. It's, a, it's not hard to remember. There's only one petition, one prayer request. I can do pretty well with one. Give me 20 and I'll forget them. But here's just one, and it starts in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, Now here comes the one petition, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he and Timothy and Epaphroditus, I think he is mentioned over in chapter 4, Epaphras in verse 12, so the three of them were regularly praying this one request for this church. And it's similar to the, the prayer in Philippians chapter 1. And that is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What does that mean? Filled. Let's just start there. What does the word filled mean? It's not a cup that's half empty and you fill it. That's not the the term itself that means to be under the dominating influence of something. You are controlled by something. That's the meaning of the word filled. It's used again in Ephesians. Don't be under the influence, dominating influence and control of what? And Ephesians 5, of wine, but be under the dominating control and influence of the Spirit. So it's the will of God that we're, he's referring to there in verse 9 is this will, the revealed will. And we'll look at that a little later of the two aspects of God's will. But this is the revealed will of God. He said, what does God want? Here it is. This is what he has given us. This is called his revealed will or scripture. 
The Spirit has told us how to know God, how to be right with God, how to have eternal life, and then how to live the Christian life. For life and godliness, God has given us his revealed will. So you say, now how... All right, I need to be under the dominating control of his full revealed will. I need to know his word. And then this needs to just permeate my thinking every day, called meditating on the word of God. And all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the one prayer request that they prayed regularly. He said there, we, didn't, we have not stopped or ceased to pray this. And I think you could remember that. It's one request. Pray for your own life, for your family, for the church, that we all would be under the control, the dominating control, the Spirit's word that he has given us, the revealed will of God, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now we move from the one petition to the purpose. Uh, what's the purpose of this petition? And he tells us that in verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Now don't you usually hear that with a lot of believers? You know, I really want to please the Lord. I want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Well, how do you do that? You've got to be under the dominating control of Scripture, of the Spirit using His Word. It's not trying to listen to the Spirit. It's reading what the Spirit has given us and then obeying it. It's not so much mystical or outside of Scripture as much as God has given us his word, preserved it. So you don't find God's people trying to discover God's will. It's, it's already revealed. Study it and follow it. And you're going, whoa. So his will's not lost. I don't need to go find it. Uh, I don't need to discover it. No, it's revealed. He wants us to study it, know it, and then follow it. The purpose is that we would be pleasing to the Lord, walking in a manner worthy of him. That right there would take us to this, to be, what is God's revealed will for all people, let me see here if this will. First, you'd want to start with God. I mean, his, his revealed will at the beginning is that we would be rightly related to him, reconciled to him, saved. That would be the first. I mean, if I was talking to anyone, I'd first want to where are you at with God through the person of Jesus Christ? be to repent of sin and turn to, to faith in Christ. This is written for believers. So that would be starting with God. Do you understand who God is? What about creation? We didn't evolve. He created us. And I was going over the doctrinal statement, and um, your doctrinal statement, 
and it's just encouraging you know, just reading God the Trinity and right now there's things going on in the evangelical world where some people don't even hold to the Trinity you think well that, then they can't be they can't be a Christian and so there, there's very important that we see the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and that he created Adam and Eve there in Genesis and we also realize in Genesis 3 that man sinned that's why we have the problems we have today it all goes back to that Genesis chapter 3 the one man through one man came sin and if that's all it's just stopped there that'd be depressing news but then we're encouraged with the God man fully God added humanity to his divinity fully righteous I didn't know how else to represent Christ uh, the God man then we talk about the cross and the resurrection his death on the cross and resurrection very important of our sins have been paid for uh, we have forgiveness and then we have life with Christ rising from the dead and then we find out what it does it mean to believe it means you have to have the, the knowledge of the gospel of the truths you have to agree with that knowledge agree with it and you desire it you, you want to be saved and then it's a turning from your sin and by faith turning and placing your faith in Christ alone for your salvation some of the major tenets of the gospel for salvation and so when we were reading there about the, Paul, uh, the prayer of Paul and Timothy and Epaphras, oh, that you would be under the dominating control and influence of the, the will of God, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. Well, that it would start with being rightly related to the Lord. And I pray that that is the case in each of your lives, that you have that you believe in uh, Christ as your Savior and Lord, and you keep believing in him. Not a, you think, oh, I did that once back when I was four. No, you, you continue to believe and trust. They're almost always, and I saw that even in the doctrinal statement, there's, there's a continual trusting and believing and drinking and eating, and it, it's, it's continual trusting and growing in our faith. Now we go, what does this life look like? If we are under the dominating control of Scripture to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him, what does our life start to look like? How would we know? What's the fruit? What would be a portrait? We have the petition, we have the purpose, and now... The Spirit of God sort of paints a portrait. This is what our life will look like if we are following God's revealed will in our life. And he starts here in verse 10, and he says, You will be bearing fruit in every good work. There's the first one. You'll be bearing fruit in every good work. 
Now let me just unpack that a little bit. That means that we all will be increasing in the area of service and good deeds for one another. That's what it's talking about. We're going to be more loving Christ and loving other people. And how can I help you? How can I serve you? Even Sean this morning says, we are here to serve you. That means something different for Christians than it does for cannibals. You don't want to be served by a cannibal. But for Christians, we are here to increase in serving one another. And it will increase, and you'll see it in someone's life. You'll hear about things that are going on in people's lives, and you're over, how can we, how can we serve you? And, and, and we're coming, just tell us how, to, how best to help you. That's what happens when God's revealed will, and the Spirit of God is dominating our thinking, it will come out in the actions. You won't be all self-focused. You won't go into a church and say, why aren't people reaching out to me? You'll be going to a church and saying, okay, where can I serve? If you're ever over at someone's house, how can I serve? It, it just You'll be increasing in the area of service. Secondly, you will be increasing, it says there in verse 10, at the very end of verse 10, you'll be increasing in the knowledge of God. As you think about that, who's the author of this book? God. And the more we're reading and studying Scripture, we're looking in the mirror of His Word, we're going to increase in knowing our God. We're going to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is saying, here's my Son, know Him. The Spirit's going to be pointing to the Son, so we're going to we're going to get to know our triune God, but through the face of Christ as he's revealed in Scripture. And we're just going to get to know him more. We're going to know he's good, he's merciful, he's full of compassion, he's slow to anger, he's plenteous in mercy, and we're going to start talking more about God. And we'll say, oh, things are going on today, yes, but God. And we'll be adding, but God, on things that are happening. Oh, I know what's going on over Syria, but God. Oh, I know what's going on financially, but God. I know what's going on in the elections and all of the running that's going on in the political realm, but God. We're going to be, God is sovereign. He's over all of this. We'll be increasing in the knowledge of God. Then thirdly, so... Quick, quick, quick quiz on this. The first thing we'll be increasing in is what? Serving, increasing in the area of good works for one another. Secondly, we'll be increasing in the knowledge of God. Thirdly, it says here in verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Oh, now our faith is going to be growing. And it's in two areas, it says. You'll be stronger to endure difficult circumstances, and you'll be more patient with people, and you'll do it all with joy. 
what used to just topple you in your Christian walk, you know, the, the slightest thing, someone just looks at you wrong on a Sunday morning, and you just go, oh, I just don't know if I can, I can last through the service. I mean, just sometimes breezes would come through your life, and you just go, oh, I just, I can't, I can't survive. The more that we're thinking biblically and responding to it, we'll be serving other people, increasing in the knowledge of God, and we'll be strengthened with all power to endure difficult circumstances. More stronger winds will come through our life. More severe trials will come into our life. And we don't topple. We don't break. We, we grow firm in our faith. And when difficult people come, patience is with people, endurance is with circumstances. Whenever you find the word patience, it's usually with people who sin against you. When, when you study patience and God is patient, and he is patient with people who sin against him. And you go, well, I'm kind of an impatient person. I'm praying for patience. That means you're asking and you should ask, Lord, send sinful people in my life who will sin against me so that I can grow in my faith and love them and to do that with joy. That's how we grow in patience. It's with people. Endurance is with circumstances. So the more that we know God's word and are trying to make our decisions and live our life in a, a manner that, that follows the Lord, we're going to grow stronger. In circumstances, we'll keep Job endured. And then with difficult people, we're going to respond biblically and we're going to do it with joy, not bitterness or grumbling. So far, how's the portrait looking? What's it look like in your life, the portrait? Now we move to the fourth one, a fourth brush stroke on this portrait. It says in the very next verse, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We'll be growing, because all of these are ongoing, they're verbs, and they're ongoing. We are going to be growing with thankfulness. In light of what God has done in our life in saving us, we are going to be more thankful people. We ought to be the most thankful people on the face of the earth, that is, Christians. Unbelievers, in Romans 1, are called unthankful. But believers ought to be the most thankful. We're to give thanks in all things. This is the will of God. Wow, so if I'm the one petition to be under the dominating control of the will of God and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, the purpose is that I might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. And what does that look like in my life? Well, uh, I'm going to be more active in serving people looking for ways to serve. I'm going to be increasing in the knowledge of God. He is going to be much more on my mind. 
in my conversation. Thirdly, I'm going to be stronger when difficult times come. I'm going to keep pressing on by the grace of God. And when difficult people, when they sin against me and they gossip or they slander or they do different things, I'm going to respond biblically and in love with joy, knowing God has, is going to work this all together for our good. And I'm going to be much more thankful, thankful for what God has done in saving us. And this is what they call dwelling on the gospel every day. He saved us. This is not all there is. Whatever you're going through is only momentary in light of eternity. Wow, so it's, it's pretty important to be under the control of the will of God, isn't it? So it's an appropriate topic for a Saturday to say, oh, this is, this is not uh, a side issue. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, no, I pray this every day for the church at Colossae. And you can see similar prayer for the church at Philippi. If you look at Colossians chapter 4 for a minute, look what Epaphras, he's the one who delivered the message. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Oh, Epaphras is praying regularly too. About what? That you may stand mature and fully assured in what? All the will of God. You've got to see something similar running through here is that they, this wasn't something he was trying to discover, wasn't lost. The Bible writers assume that we know his will. And what they talk about is now do it. One example, Ephesians, if you'll just go back a few pages to Ephesians chapter 5. You have this statement in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he moves on to say, don't be under the control of uh, of wine, but be under the control of the Spirit. You don't have to turn there, but if you go back to Colossians chapter 3, you'll see the very similar statement. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a phrase that, let it just permeate. Let it control you. Let it dominate your life, your thinking, and 
out into your actions. And then it shows the fruit of that. You'll be teaching one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Over and over again, when you talk about the will of God, the aspect of the will of God, which is scripture, we ought not to be trying to listen for God to tell me what he wants me to do today, but follow the commands and principles in here as I make a biblically informed decision. It's not so subjective and mystical as it is revealed. One other passage, and then we're getting ready for our break. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, this is a, a verse, by the way, that some students try to use on their tests, but it doesn't work. When they don't know an answer, they usually quote Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord. But it is interesting that the Spirit of God through the pen of Moses writes, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed, and what might they be? The Scriptures. Because we're going to find out in a minute what we're supposed to do with it. He says, but the, uh, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There are things that it's not our business to know. We can't know everything that God has ordained ahead of time. and He's revealed what he wants us to know and that he has given us and called his revealed will. We're not to be ignorant of it or foolish of it, but understand it and then to apply it. And when we're under the influence of this will, our life changes. I mean, if we're rightly related to him through Christ, and we want to walk with him in a way that pleases him, and we're under the control of the scriptures, our life just begins, the portrait starts to unfold in our life, and it just continues every day. And every day it ought to be, Lord, today may I increase more today than yesterday and loving one another, serving one another. More today than yesterday, may I increase in the knowledge of you. And more today than yesterday, that I would be strengthened when difficult times come and difficult people sin against me. And may I do it not with grumbling, but with joy. And more today than yesterday, may I be more thankful, especially for the gospel, the truths of the gospel that you have saved me. The only thing I deserved was hell. Anything above hell is a blessing. Thank you for giving me eternal life and increasing in thankfulness. I think that would be an appropriate end of this first session as we think about making decisions of all the different ways that some people make them but the importance of the will of God in our life. Let me just pray, and then uh, we'll have a break. Father, thank you for this uh, first time together. The, as we think about all of the decisions we make on a daily basis, Lord, we do praise and thank you for giving us your revealed will, the will that you hold us responsible to know and to do. 
we cannot do it apart from your spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells your children and gives us the desire and the ability to do your goodwill. Lord, help us to grow in the faith that you have blessed us with. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.